Tonight, we'll dive into the five things that the Cowboys need to do to bounce back from the 49ers loss, which was absolutely devastating. How do you turn the page? You start with the five things that we'll talk about. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a good Tuesday night. It's tough to do it, I know. We have been thinking about what happened on Sunday night for the last 48 hours, and it has not been fun. Because the only thing that you can think about is the Cowboys getting whooped, basically. And the things that the Cowboys players have said, or the coaches have said since then, have not necessarily, you know, sit well with the the Dallas Cowboys fan base. Honestly, there's uh, Micah Parsons, George Kittle stuff that we might or might not talk about tonight. I have some opinions on it, though, so we might save it till the end of the show so we don't lose focus of what's important tonight. So I want to, I don't, you cannot turn the page two days later with a loss like this, especially with the Cowboys playing on Monday night, but I do want to kind of turn the page. So what we will do is we'll dive five, we'll dive into five things that the Cowboys need to do in order to bounce back, not in week five, but moving forward to bounce back as a contender within the NFC. So I'm not thinking about bouncing back and beating Kellen Moore and the Chargers on Monday Night Football. I'm thinking about one step forward. How do you bounce back to have Cowboys Nation believe in you again as an NFC contender after you lost 42-10? to in what's likely the most important game of your regular season outside divisional games. So let's dive into it. But first, let me say hi in the chat. We've got uh, Russell here. He goes to middle linebacker, Parsons or Clark. We'll actually talk a little bit about that in a little bit here. Uh, Mark Aaron, shout out to you, sir. Thank you for joining the show. We've also got Katharina. Let's dive right into this. Number one thing that the Cowboys need to do to figure out what's going on, not not what's going on, but to actually fix the offense, you've got to start with the advice that was given to the Cowboys today by Des Bryant. Not a lot of times will we quote Des Bryant by, you know, talking some legitimate football advice for the Cowboys because he's not involved with the Cowboys, right? He's just watching the games but he did tweet something that is painfully true. And it was as a response to what Jerry Jones said on 105.3, the fan today, because Jerry Jones, here is the quote. He said, he doesn't know about getting CeeDee Lamb more opportunities. In his words, what he wants to see is the ball spread around to multiple players. So multiple wide receivers, multiple tight ends, to which this Brian replied, then why put 88 on his back? CD gotta touch the ball more. And you have to agree with this on this. You just have to. CD Lamp is rocking number 88. 
talking about being the number one wide receiver, right? We know that he's got the talent for it. And he got five targets versus the 49ers. The same number as Michael Gallup did and the same number as Tony Pollard did. Now, all due respect to Gallup and Pollard, this should not be the case. CeeDee Lamb got to be force-fed in situations like this when nothing is going well for the offense. You find ways to get him the football. Now, the Cowboys did force-feed CeeDee versus the New York Jets, but they got a lot of zone coverage in that game, and it felt like the Niners were more aggressive in man coverage this week, like in week five, and the Cowboys just did not find an answer for that. Let me show you two charts from next-gen stats and you tell me which offense found a way to spark the, the, their performance through their number one wide receiver on the left we've got cd lamp now excuse me uh jamar chase and on the right we've got cd you tell me ladies and gentlemen what is wrong with these pictures you let me know which offense actually went out there with a plan to say, you know what? If we go down, we go down with our best player. Look at that chart from Jamar Chase. You get wheel routes. You get a fantastic post, which was timed perfectly, by the way, and called at the perfect time versus the perfect coverage. You got some slants in there, sure. You also get out routes. You get a fade. You get a whole lot of stuff. From Jamar Chase, a lot of answers. You get some in-breaking routes as well, some basics. With CD, man, you basically are getting slants, somewhat of a post, I guess. You're not getting a whole lot of variety to get the football into CD, man. And this is the week five games. Now, the Cowboys are getting a unhappy version of CeeDee Lamb right now. And do not get me wrong, because Troy does have a good point here. The Niners took CeeDee away. Dallas could not do that without Diggs. But the Cowboys have got to know that, hey, they might take away CeeDee with the double coverage and stuff and the brackets and all that. Go watch the Bengals game, and I'll tell you what, he was doubled in many of those plays. You got to still trust the player to make the plays because the Bengals did. You saw reps for Cincinnati where Jamar Chase was doubled and they were still feeding him. And man, some of those were not like perfect balls from Joe Burrow. Now, I would, I would never say that, hey, Dak is at the same level than Joe Burrow because even though I like Dak Prescott and I still believe he's a good QB, I believe Joe Burrow is in that elite category that maybe has Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and that's it. Like, to me, that's the elite tier of QBs in the NFL. But, man, Jamar Chase was force-fed, and I don't think that the Cowboys did that with CD at all. Now, I mentioned that CD wasn't happy because you have seen the pictures by now of CD standing away from the team on the sidelines. You heard the press conference where he literally said, I don't know what's the identity of the offense. He he was asked about that, and he said, I don't know. And he was clearly pissed off. Mike McCarthy was asked about this, and Mike McCarthy said, I'm glad that he's pissed off. I would be pissed off if, if he wasn't. 
And while that is all good and well, that's the right mindset to have for Mike McCarthy. Now the next step is actually go out there and do it. Who cares about spreading the football when you're not actually using the number one wide receiver on the team when he's supposed to be on that upper echelon of wide receivers in the league? Now I'll give you some examples here right now. The following stat that I'm about to use is the percentage of the, the percentage share of a team's air yards in 2023. This is measured by next gen stats. I'm just going to mention some of the top players in this list. AJ Brown is a leader. You've got Tyreek Keel after him, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Garrett Wilson. Those are true number ones. And then you get uh, some, like, not random, but like George Pickens. Might sound a little bit random, but the Steelers really do not have a lot going for them. Uh, you've got Marquise Brown with the Arizona Cardinals, Andrew Hopkins. But even there, like, you you know the weight of some of these names. Chris Olave. Y'all are going to love this one. Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Stefan Diggs, Yamar Chase. Those are the top guys. I just read them in order. I'm going to go down until I can find C.D. Lamb. And believe me, I'm scrolling down. Like, I, I am. I, I'm going to give you an example. Like, the last guy that I mentioned right now was Jamar Chase. He's sitting at 38% of the team's air yards. 38% of the Bengals' air yards are going to Jamar Chase. I'm going to scroll down past all of the 30, all of the 30 percentage, percentages, excuse me, and I'm going to go to around the 27 mark. And that's where you're going to see C.D. Lamb. I'm going to let you know the three names that are above C.D. It's Alan Lassard, who's not the number one wide receiver for his team. I'm on Ross and Brown, which I'm a little bit surprised about. And then Justin Watson, who is basically the number one wide receiver for the Chiefs. But the Chiefs do not really have wide receivers. Now I'm going to tell you the three that are below C.D. Lamb. Tutu Adwell for the Rams. Robert Woods from Houston. And D.J. Chark from the Carolina Panthers. Do you notice the difference between the names that I mentioned at first to the names that are surrounding C.D. Lamb right now? Because Amon Rustin Brown was perhaps the... The number one guy exception to the rule of the of the top receivers, man. Because he's one of the top receivers in the NFL today. You gotta you gotta target CeeDee Lamb way more often. Now, Alex here makes a great point. Shout out to Alex Flores, who also watches my content in Spanish, and I appreciate him. He says two to three times at least CD was wide open. Not only is this true from Alex. But you're also getting into a whole lot of situations where CD is clearly not the number one read of the play. And that's part of not forcing the ball to your best receiver. And it's particularly frustrating because the Cowboys, you know, he, he's not, CD is not a guy that can only play from the slot. That's where he plays his best football, but he can also go out wide. And he can do that between this, within the same, the same game. He can move around and he can be successful in different parts of the field. And you're still not finding those answers within the game. 
it just it is frustrating that the Cowboys are not, you know, really leaning into what they have, which is a number one wide receiver. I think that's the number one thing that they need to change entering week six. You gotta you gotta start targeting CD more, especially in games like this. If the offense is running super smoothly and you found a matchup that you're exploiting, like I'm just gonna make up an example right now. If Brandon Cooks catches fire on a game and he's burning his cornerback over and over and over again, and the operation is running smoothly, then you go ahead and you exploit that matchup. But if nothing is going your way on offense, you're not running well, you you are not uh, throwing the football well, your QB is rattled by the opposing defense, which I believe happened at one point on Sunday night. Then you make it easy on the quarterback. You find easy touches for your number one wide receiver. And of course, to be fair, even the easy touches are difficult to find versus a team like the 49ers, especially with the way that they swarm to the football. But you find a way when you get a player like CD because you got to trust him in 50-50 opportunities. You got to trust him in those quick plays. Trust him even to make the contested catch to force a missed tackle and spark some sort of life into your football team. I do agree with this on this one. That's why you gave him number 88. That's why you did. So that's the number one thing that the Cowboys, in my opinion, must do to bounce back. I'm going to dive into number two, and this is a much more complicated one. This is about Micah Parsons and the linebacker position because there's a dilemma staring at the Cowboys right now. And it's about what you do, what you do with Micah. Because Leighton Vanderesh is probably headed to IR. It's not official yet, but everyone is expecting it to happen. That would knock out Leighton Vanderesh at least four weeks. We really don't know much about the injury. We just know that it's a neck injury and we know about his history. So it might even be longer than four weeks. The problem is the Cowboys have nobody to turn to. Because Demon Clark is your only true off-ball linebacker beyond LVE. After that, you've got a safety playing linebacker. He's not really a linebacker. He's still a safety playing the linebacker position. You know, his body is that of a safety. His weight is that of a safety. He's not an actual linebacker. Marquise Bell. And then Micah, similar story. We know he was drafted to play off ball linebacker. We know he did that at Penn State. We know that if the Cowboys switch him to linebacker, he's going to do a decent job because he's such a crazy athlete and such a hungry player that he's going to find a way to get that done. But he didn't prepare to do that during the offseason. He didn't prepare to do that during training camp. He's got zero coverage snaps in 2023 because the Cowboys clearly made a decision that they're not going to make Micah Parsons an off-ball linebacker until probably now. And Dan Quinn talked about this on Monday. He was pretty clear. He said he's got this speed to, you know, cover sideline to sideline. And we even caught a glimpse from that during the 49ers game. Not a whole lot happened that was exciting for Dallas. There was one play where he did, you know, catch the running back running side to side, and it was a good play from Micah. He made some plays from the linebacker spot. Let's just give him that at least. And 
we know that, hey, he's got the speed to catch up in coverage and all that. But the disadvantages, Dan Quinn made it clear on some of the passes, and I'm quoting him now, that you're obviously dropping him where you got some chances to rush, then you don't get that ability to rush the passer. So that's kind of the balance that I'll have to face and work through is what Dan Quinn told reporters on Monday. And this is so true and it cannot be ignored. Right now, the Cowboys are down their starting linebacker and their top communicator. That is a heavy loss. Moving Micah to off-ball linebacker makes that a double loss because you're not only losing the linebacker and the top communicator, you're losing your best player, who is Micah Parsons, the, the pass rusher. Not Micah Parsons, the do-it-all guy. Micah Parsons, the pass rusher, is the most dangerous player on your football team. So you either lose the communicator that was Leighton Van Der Esch and the pass rusher that is Micah, and even one drop back is big enough of a loss to not have Micah do his thing because it, it, it takes one drop back to really change the game when you have somebody like Micah can make, uh, can, can make a strip sack. He can break so many drop backs with his way that he pressures QBs, can get them on the move, can make, uh, force them to make the wrong decision and throw the football into traffic. You're losing those two things if you move Micah. The problem is if you don't move Micah, what do you do? Because you've got Clark, Bell, and nobody to rotate them with. And this is where I believe we can move to number three because they're kind of married together. But you got to be a buyer entering the trade deadline. We're already at week six. So we, we got to start talking about the trade deadline which expires after week eight, right after week eight. You got to be a buyer. And maybe the Cowboys are, are forced to look for a linebacker here in the near future. But even if you're not looking for a linebacker, you could look for a wide receiver, to be quite honest. You could look for defensive line help. You could look for cornerback help. You could look for a whole lot of stuff. Uh, the Cowboys, though, we don't know if they'll be aggressive. But in my opinion, one of the five things they must do is approach the trade deadline with the same, quote-unquote, aggressive itch mindset that they approached the offseason, where we saw them trade for Brandon Cooks, trade for Stephon Gilmore, all the, that sort of stuff, man. Hopefully the Cowboys show us some of that. Now let's see some of your comments here before we move on. Dallas has defensive ends destroyed. And while they do, they don't have another Micah. And that's okay, because Micah is really that special. But I do believe, man, although you have defensive ends and you can maybe survive without, without uh, Micah rushing the passer, you're probably not going to be that top-tier defense that you've been wanting to be. That's how I feel about his impact. He's the guy that, hey, the offenses, as long as it's possible, they're going to be sliding towards him. Just go, go. I know it's tough to watch the replay, man. But go watch the emphasis that was put on Michael Parsons from Kyle Chanahan and his team 
on Sunday night. They were throwing everything Michael Parsons' way. They were throwing blocking pullers, uh, pulling blockers, excuse me, mix those words up. They were running away from him. They were throwing screens his way. They were doing, like, like it, it was clear that the first meeting that the Niners coaching staff had about the Cowboys was, all right, what place can we get into the game plan so we eliminate Michael Parsons? That was the, the big thing that you could take away from the Niners game plan, in my opinion, from the old 22, especially at the beginning of the game. And man, if you don't have that, your defense takes a big hit. Because if you're playing Mike at linebacker, then you're not gonna hit, you're not gonna get all of those benefits, which is what Dan Queen means when he talks about that. Uh, Lavelle says Michael Parsons is the next Lawrence Taylor who's being played out of a position, trying to make him a defensive end and defensive tackle. Jeff says LBE will possibly retire. Too many neck injuries. Time to go. I I wouldn't. I mean, I understand that. Hey, with his injury history, it's definitely like something that you cannot rule out. But I'll wait on that until we get any sort of information here. Troy says, Micah has always been a linebacker. He's being misused. How, how can we get to that conclusion? How can you get to that conclusion? Like, honestly, I, 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 I understand it's not the position that he was meant to play in the NFL. But since he has been playing defensive end, he's been who he is. He's been somebody who's getting defensive player of the year votes. Somebody that is consistently among two things. Number one, the players with the highest pass rushing win rates in the NFL and pressures and, you know, everything that you want to make up for QB pressure stuff. And number two, one of the highest double team rates in the entire NFL. He's one of those guys that's up there in the upper right corner of those charts that measure that. Micah is consistently getting double teams and he's consistently winning at the most valuable position on defense. He's not being misused. He was being misused when he was being wasted as an off-ball linebacker. But now, out of necessity, you might need to play him in that second level. I honestly do strongly disagree with saying that he was being misused. Because Micah was being one of the best defensive players at the most important position, at the highest speed position, defensively speaking, in the NFL. He is the guy that is really that has really taken the defense to the next level. And I know the Niners game was horrible Cowboys did not play good defense even in that game but I I, I don't agree with saying that Micah is being, being misused or anything like that but anyways we do need to move forward with the list so just to recap here very quickly figure out how to force feed CD number one number two figure out Micah Parsons linebacker dilemma be it with a trade be it with you know how do you Balance what you're doing with Micah. It's a tough, tough ask, but yet they are going to have to figure it out to avoid defensive chaos. Number three, we talked about being buyers at the deadline, and maybe later in the week we talk about some specific names 
But for now, just the mindset that, hey, this team still needs a whole lot of help. Hopefully, they bring something else. And number four. Number four. And this is one that I have very little faith that would actually happen. But it's something that moving forward to me, or it changes, or we see more of the same in the big games, especially when the Cowboys get to the postseason. And this is number four. Change the way, the philosophy that you have about offense on your football team. The Cowboys cannot think about offense the way that Mike McCarthy explained on Monday. Here's a full quote, and it's a long one, so stay with me here. I'm going to read to you what Mike, what Mike McCarthy said on Monday about the offense. I like a lot of things that we've done outside of Sunday night, offensively. Outside of the red zone, we definitely hit the mark. When we started this offensive approach back in April, I just think it's a matter of who do you want to be and who do you think you are? I coached a team for a lot of years that was, an, that was offensive driven. But this team is about defense. Let's make no bones about it. That's not a slide against the offense. We want to score as many points as everybody, and we're not playing not to lose. So don't mix the message here. But we play to our defense. That's the strength of our team. And by doing that, the time of possession, taking care of the football, those are two things that I thought were improvements from past years the first month. Clearly, it was not against the 49ers. There's so much to unpack from this quote. First and foremost, to me, it's okay to say that this team is about defense in the sense that it's your best unit, or at least it was your best unit entering the year. Uh, and it really has been the best unit, even with the weird game versus the Cardinals, and even with what happened on Sunday night. But I hate this philosophy that you're talking about time of possession and taking care of the football, you're talking about those two things as playing to your defense. When really, the one thing that does matter in terms to help out your defense is how many points you score. There's this whole idea and this whole narrative about controlling the time of possession and that winning games because you're keeping the their offense off of the field. And to a point... Yes, that is true, but it's really the opposite kind of impact. If you are moving the ball well, if you're scoring points, then you're likely getting the football. Uh, if you're ahead, you're likely running it a little bit more so you control the clock a little bit better. But there is no better way to help your defense out than to score points. And if you want to achieve that, what the metrics have taught us in recent years in the NFL and the analytics have taught us and when we say us, not only are we talking about fans and media, we're talking about NFL teams because other NFL teams are actually applying these things. And the optimal offense is being more aggressive on early downs. They're throwing the football a little bit more. They are willing to take risks, even if it means turning the ball over. But, you know, in order to get those big time plays as well, you're not optimizing for time of possession. You're optimizing for scoring and scoring only. And I think it matters when you're talking about a head coach that even though he has done some good stuff for the team since he got here, he also started off his regime by admitting that he lied about 
being all in in, al in analytics, right? And, and he op openly said this on his opening press conference. And it's the kind of stuff that you think about when things go wrong, like in this week. I just don't like... I just don't like... Re I really don't like what what uh, McCarthy said about this whole thing. Like, I understand what he's trying to say, but I think it speaks volumes about what this team thinks of offense. And I don't think it's optimal in today's NFL. I don't think it's what the best offenses are doing right now in the league. Let's see some of your comments here before we move on to number five, the final, the final thing the Cowboys need to do to get better and to bounce back from whatever happened on Sunday night. Let's see here. Uh, the Cowboys will need an ice bath. This is Bruce got the toxic use after getting kicked in the ass for four quarters. And yep, they will need that too. Monster says he wants to play complimentary football. Then that includes both sides of the ball. But the thing here, and there's nothing wrong with complimentary football. And I agree with Monster here. The thing is that there is this idea that not being aggressive and not throwing the football on early downs and not taking those shots downfield, thinking that that's complimentary football. Taking care of the ball and trying to dominate time of possession is not playing complimentary football. Complimentary football, as silly as it sounds, is having an offense optimized to score the most points possible, period. And focusing on time of possession is not the way to optimize an offense. And other teams have thought of that year after year after year. So I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all with the complimentary football stuff. I just think what this team is defining as complimentary football, it's not it. Bruce says, what happened to Micah being a chess piece? They neutralized him off the edge a lot of the game. It's time to put Micah at linebackers at 680. Uh, the linebacker injury, the Leighton Banderesh injury, hopefully forces that he can be more of a force at linebacker. Teams are figuring out how to take him out of games at defense event. I'll disagree a little bit with that. Uh, obviously, as we already talked about uh, on tonight's show, he's going to be forced into some linebacker looks. But I kind of disagree with the whole idea of, oh, offenses have figured him out. This is not the first time that Micah is neutralized like he was versus the Niners. We saw a little bit of that versus the Eagles last year. We saw a little bit of that versus the 49ers too. It's not that other teams didn't know. It's not like, oh, now that the 49ers have done it, we can go ahead and do it as well. Not everyone has Kyle Shanahan game planning and scheming up, scheming up things. And not everyone has the talent that the Niners have. I do see the point in maybe moving him around a little bit and how that can benefit your defense. But to me, there's no question that where Micah can deal the most damage is as a pass rusher. And the spot where he can deliver the most value to the Cowboys is the pass rusher. So in an ideal world, you wouldn't be moving Micah to off-ball linebacker. And moving him around, they are, you know doing that on the defensive line, but they're doing that. They're lining him up over the A-gap. They're lining him up over the edge. They're moving him uh, to the, you know, somebody outside of him, and it's blurry. Like, 
you cannot really say three technique because it's not that. But sometimes he will line up like I see five right outside the tackle, and then there's going to be a nine a little bit more wide. And sometimes it will be the Marcus Lawrence on the outside and him on the inside, and sometimes they're going to flip it. So they're going to do a whole lot of that, and that's moving Mike around. That's moving him as a chess piece, even if it's not as clear as moving him between edge rusher and linebacker, edge rusher and linebacker. I just, I just think that, man, ideally this position switch wouldn't be happening, and it sounds like they're going to be forced to do it uh, somebody already said in the chat, which I agree with. I do agree that that might force it. But yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, moving on to number five, and this is more of a specific one. But let me know if you agree or disagree in the chat. As much as I was excited for a moment there about Michael Gallup, it might be time for more Jalen Tolbert, man. How about this stat from John Owning? Michael Gallup ranks four, uh, 75th out of 88 qualified wide receivers, qualifications as in snap counts. So basically, they're ruling out the wide receivers who have not enough snap counts to be considered around the players that have played the most. But he ranks 75th out of 88 wide receivers in separation percentage against single coverage. In other words, Gallup is not gaining separation. And for an X receiver... For somebody that's usually isolated, that might not be a big deal as long as he's winning consistently in contested catches. As long as you as an offense are thinking, I don't care if he doesn't have the separation, I think he's still going to win some of these reps. I don't think Gallup is being as consistent with that either. It might be time for more Jalen Tolbert. And it might happen as soon as week six, in my opinion, versus the Chargers on Monday night football. Because that was a little bit of an ugly game, too, in my opinion. And, you know, watching the old 22 and watching the replay, it just, and I know that the 49ers are a very talented team. Oof. Gallup is, is rough sometimes. And uh, you look at, the separation that Brock Purdy is throwing to, and this is not taking away anything from Brock Purdy, who does deserve the credit. Ouch. Just, just, ouch. Cow the Cowboys are not targeting open receivers down the field. Jeff says, I agree. Since the injury, he has never been the same. Move on to Jalen. 680 said, love Gallup, but I'm sick of him now. Pack him up for certain and a pick. We should have kept. Never mind. Ines says, agree. Uh, Gerald says, trade him. He says that he set on Bosch and Law to trade him and then on 105.3 as well. So Gerald is absolutely trying to trade Michael Gallup out of Dallas. Donald says, we've been missing the 50-50 ball receiver for years. And I don't disagree. Phillips says, Gallup has never materialized and should have been gone two years ago. Katharina says, definitely agree. Paul disagrees. He says, nope. He doesn't want him out. He doesn't want Jalen Tolbert. Mancer says, more pre-snap motion. Keep the defenses more to think about. Keep them guessing. I don't disagree with this either. And I would absolutely love the Cowboys to use more motion. But 
similar to what I said with the offensive philosophy stuff, I just don't believe I would be very high on the likelihood of that actually happening. <laughs> and Paul says, I'm always smoking that Mexican stuff, keep Gallup. By the way, I'm not suggesting the trade. I'm not suggesting the Cowboys move on from Gallup. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say do not keep Gallup. Not at all. I would say, however, give me more Jalen Tolbert. Like, at least you got to admit, Jalen Tolbert deserves more looks now. Because this is, the, this is the difference between the two. Gallup has played, sheesh, 68% of the offensive snaps. Tolbert is down at 39. I would like to see those percentages at least get a little bit closer between each other. I would like to see the opportunity for Jalen Tolbert. Because sure, 40% sounds like a whole lot for Tolbert. But when you actually see the breakdown... It's, it's even slighter than that. Like, he's played the most versus the Jets, which is the game where Brandon Cooks did not suit up. He played 68% of the offensive snaps in that game. 17 versus the Cardinals, 34 versus the Patriots, 45 versus the San Francisco 49ers. So... He, we have not seen a lot of Tolbert. And I, I, would, I would definitely vote to give him more, more uh, plays. Galloping, galloping, no more. <laughs> oh, man, 680. Catherine says they need to do the same, more fake plays as well. And Dak needs to run more as well. I do agree with that. Ladies and gentlemen, those are my five things the Cowboys must do to bounce back. It is Tuesday night. Uh, we're still getting over what happened on Sunday night. And maybe tomorrow we start talking about the Chargers game. Maybe not, because we also could talk about the trade market. We could talk about some old 22 clips as well, even if we want to just move on from that game as quickly as possible. Wednesday night will be different to others because we will not, we will not be getting an injury report or anything like that. The first time that we'll get one will be on Thursday because that's how things work when there's a Monday night football involved. So we'll see how the week goes. Of course, we always have a lot of stuff to talk about on this show. Maybe we'll get into the whole George Kittle and Micah Parsons t-shirt debate. I did not like Micah's stance there, man. I did not like that at all. But maybe we'll talk more about it tomorrow night. For now, though, that will be it for me. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to Katharina, Donald, Manser, Paul, 680. Thank you so much for joining the show. And I appreciate you a whole lot. Hit the like button. Smash the thumbs up because every like puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. Shout out to Inez as well for joining. And I'll see you el día de mañana. 8 p.m. Bye-bye.